Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. My name is Carrie Burr, and I am one of the lead teachers here. I'm really glad that you're joining us today. And uh, by now, many of you have heard that we are having our first in-person church service here in the building this February 28th. And uh, I know there's been a lot of ups and downs with that, pros and cons weighed out, and people have different mixed emotions there. Um, so I, we, we really wanted to say over and over again that wherever you're at, if you're comfortable staying home, that's fine. If you're comfortable being here, um, that's wonderful too. But I will say that one pro for me about having a church service in person is that the day that I share a message will be the same day that you're hearing the message. What do I mean by that? Well, you may not know that Tom and I often record messages several days ahead of time. So you may be watching on a Sunday, but maybe we recorded it on a Monday or Tuesday that week. Um, And it can be a challenge sometimes with trying to remember um, events and things that are going on uh, the day that you're going to be hearing the message. So for instance, today that I'm giving this that I'm recording this is a Tuesday and it's snowing and there's nothing magical about today. Uh, But when you watch this on Sunday, it's gonna be Valentine's Day. And if I'm being honest, I have a hard time right now, especially with COVID quarantine. Um, I don't even remember what day of the week it is usually, let alone whether it's a a holiday. Um, So the fact that I actually remembered that there's gonna be a holiday several days from now, I think is a small miracle and I should get many accolades for this. So uh, with that said, Happy Valentine's Day. I don't know who you are and what you like to do for Valentine's Day. I don't know if you're someone who kind of, you know, goes crazy overboard with that or if you think it's super cheesy and too gushy for you. Um, We were joking as a staff today during our meeting that um, I think for a lot of us, you know, maybe early in quarantine, we were like, ooh, I get to spend a lot of extra time with my significant other. We're going to be all cooped up together, and this is going to be beautiful. And by now, you know, Valentine's Day is here, but we're probably all thinking, like, I'd go on a date. I just want to have some space. Like, give me a room by myself. And if that's you, maybe you can relate a little bit to to how I felt in this picture with my husband. Um, This this might just have to be the picture that I post for Valentine's Day this year. No, actually, this was taken several years ago at a a pumpkin patch, and uh, yes, it's one of the few few times where I got my husband to be whimsical with me. So we're doing we're doing great, but we we all do need a little space. But as my friend Michelle reminded me, no matter what we think about Valentine's Day, it's just really a good reminder to um, to be kind to others, to focus on relationships and friendships, and how we can love people. And I think it's a great segue into the the new series that we're doing at Hope. Uh, which is Friends. And yes, it's based on the TV series. And I know for me, um, I started watching this, I think when I was in college and just got hooked ever since. I love it. I may be slightly obsessed, Um, but this is just a fun launching place for us to go deeper into talking about relationships and the aspects of relationships that we're all dealing with right now in in this season and these challenges that we have. Um, So if you've never watched Friends, don't worry. You will still get a lot out of this. We believe it's going to be just a a great series. Um, I also have to say, if you are a Friends fan, 
Um, just because we're going through this as a church doesn't mean that you can watch Friends episodes as your quiet time. Um, I wanted to cheat and call that, but I, I, think, I think I have to just draw a line somewhere. So um, that said, I want to start today with a question for you guys. If you think of the Bible, different stories in the Bible, what are some friendships that come to mind for you? Uh, maybe some uh, friendships or relationships that stand out to you from the Bible. And if you're watching this online, feel free to answer that in the chat, um, whether you're on um, you know, YouTube or Facebook or our main um, platform for watching the, the church service. Uh, we, we have people that check all those chats, so feel free to, feel free to share. Um, this is also something you could talk about as a family or uh, with a friend. I, I think this is a great place even to talk to your kids, ask them, find out maybe what they're learning about in Roots. What are some friends they've heard about in the Bible? Um, I think it can be a fun connection point. I know for me, I think of people in the Bible like Jonathan and David, who were great friends, or Ruth and Naomi. Um, and so some of, the, some of the messages we share today may be familiar friends to you guys. Um, but we're also hoping to kind of do a couple unique and, and interesting uh, friends that maybe you haven't heard of. So um, yeah, that should be just an interesting, uh, hopefully you'll get a lot out of, out of the different stories we go through. But today, we are going to be going through um, the friendship of Jesus and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And uh, they are, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were siblings. And uh, I, I, many of you have probably heard of them. And there's three key stories that we're going to hit from, from their time with Jesus. And um, so I hope that you will, yeah, just enjoy as we read through this. Um, we're going to start out with their story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only, oh, sorry, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So as we jump into the story, I can't help but noticing right away that Martha to me reminds me of uh, Monica from the Friends series. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Monica is definitely the type A personality. She is OCD about cleaning things. Uh, she's a chef and she's always the hostess. So whenever there's a meal or, you know, gathering, usually Monica is behind that. And she's also very responsible. So much so that, um, you know, she doesn't like to change things up. She likes to keep her routine and her friends tease her at one point and they, you know, they're like, what if we move the Ottoman like two inches to the left or the right? Or what if we put your cup on the table with no coaster? And basically, you know, she's, she's panicking about that because she just can't wrap her brain around it. Um, but that's, that's who Monica is. And I really feel like that's the Martha character that we have here. Um, and so then her sister, Mary, is, is totally opposite. She's um, maybe, maybe a little bit more like Rachel from the Friends show. Um, I know Rachel is very relational. She is... Um, you know, less, less organized, less focused on, you know, a to-do list, and she's more in the moment maybe, um, and she definitely does not cook well. Um, in fact, fun, f fun trivia question for you guys. There's, a, there's an episode where Rachel ends up making this trifle, 
and she tries to make a trifle. And uh, I will give you bonus points if you can give me the list of the layers that she has in her trifle. I have them here. It's a layer of lady fingers, a layer of jam, custard made from scratch, raspberries, more lady fingers, beef sauteed with peas and onions, a little more custard, sliced banana and whipped cream. Um, so, so Rachel ends up fusing somehow. She gets like the, the pages on the recipe book mixed, uh, stuck together. So instead of making this beautiful dessert with all these wonderful sweet layers, she ends up adding some weird like shepherd's pie ingredients in there somewhere. So it's disgusting. Her friend Joey still eats it. But, um, but the point is you do not want Mary, uh, I'm sorry, you don't want Rachel um, necessarily being the one that cooks or hosts for you. That's kind of Mar uh, Monica's territory. And so again, um, in this story, I, I think we see these two personalities. And when we read stories, often we just, I think that's our human nature. We're trying to look for the good person and the bad person in the story, you know, the, the hero and the villain. So we, we look at this story often and we, unfortunately, we think, okay, I'm not supposed to be like Martha. Martha's personality is bad. Being, being productive or, or trying to, you know, having my to-do list must be bad. And we need to be more like Mary. Um, and I think this is really detrimental, especially if you're someone who relates to Martha, because you can really feel like God is telling you um, that your personality is somehow wrong. You could even read this and think Jesus is saying, well, why can't you be more like your sister Mary? Um, and that is not what is happening here at all. Jesus designed Martha, and he made her personality the way that it was for a reason, just as he designed and made Mary. So, um, so this is not God um, frowning on who Martha is. And in fact, I think it can help us to look at what each character brings to the story. So the truth is that the, the story opens by saying that Martha, it's her home. She's opened her home to Jesus. She's taken the initiative to invite him to be there. And then she's gone about making the preparations um, to feed everyone that comes and create this kind of like um, relaxing environment. So Mary's encounter with Jesus would never even have been possible if Martha hadn't first used her gifts and her talents and created a space for that, for Mary to be with Jesus. And I think what, what Martha does is that she misses the fact that Mary actually is, is creating a space as well. Mary is creating an environment that would allow Martha to join in if she would stop for a minute and just um, notice what was happening. Um, and I think so, so Mary kind of is the icebreaker here. You know, I think sometimes when we have a life group or we have a family gathering, you know, everyone kind of sits and talks for a little bit, maybe eats some food, but then inevitably you have a couple people that wander into the other room and they start some fun activity, right? They start a game or they start this really great conversation and it's, it's magnetic. And at some point everyone else ends up following them because that's where the activity is happening. And, and those are the people that are creating space for people to be together and to go deeper in conversation. And that's what Mary's doing. She's, she's relational, she's in the moment, and I think she's, she's bold in her own way. Um, for a woman sitting at, at the feet of someone listening and learning, that was really frowned upon in, in the culture that Mary uh, lived in. And so um, for her to sit at Jesus' feet was kind of a, a bold act, but Jesus not only um, 
approves that, but he really embraces that and he encourages her to sit there and learn from him. And in doing so, I think Mary paves the way then for, you know, for Martha to come and be with them. Um, so I think, I think it's just this reminder that Jesus is saying, um, don't miss, don't miss what Mary and her personality and her gift are inviting you into. And so for us, as we're reading this story, I think two things come to mind. Uh, first of all, asking God, where is my personality? Where are my gifts supposed to create space for someone else? Create space for them to know Jesus more um, or to, to be able to, to just um, have a place to come and to lay down their burdens. Uh, so how can we be those people that are creating space for others? And I know in COVID right now that it's, it looks different and I understand that, but even right now, even in this season, there's ways that we can create space for others. Um, and then I think the second part is a, is a challenge for me, certainly. Um, it's so easy for us to look around right now at so many different personalities, and we can just think, why is someone like that? Why, why do they think this way? Um, why can't they just understand what I, what I think? And, um, and we can start to look at parts of people's personalities, and we can get um, we can label people's personalities as bad or wrong. So we can say, well, that person is too much of a perfectionist or that person is, you know, too focused on details or that person's so creative and flighty and they just, you know, I can't understand what they're, what they're thinking. Um, and instead of looking at people and the differences as negatives, uh, I feel like if we can notice that everyone's personality is an invitation for us, an opportunity for us to know God in a new and, and different way, um, that other people's personalities show us and cue us to how God, um, to other ways that God may want us to be near him and close to him. So I would just challenge you when you have that knee-jerk reaction like I do um, to, to criticize someone else in their personality, instead look at it as an opportunity. Um, and then we're going to jump now from, from that story. We're going to learn a little bit more about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. I'm calling him affectionately. Um, it's actually Lazarus. Um, and we're going to find out a little more about how God creates space in, in their relationship. So John 11, 1 through 45 is our next story. And this is called the death of Lazarus. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. That's foreshadowing. We're going to get to that story in a second. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. 
feel like Thomas was a little dramatic. Um, but verse 17, we'll continue on. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Um, and I want to pause it in our reading for a second because, um, so we have in the beginning of the story, it's set up that the Lazarus is sick and the sisters know he's not going to make it and they, they know that Jesus needs to come to be there to heal him because they believe that Jesus has the power to do that. Um, but Jesus takes his time getting there. And when he gets there, he has this conversation. Lazarus has been dead for several days, but, um, but he has this interesting dialogue with Martha. And I think this dialogue shows us a couple things. First of all, um, it really shows us where Martha has come in her understanding of Jesus. We don't know the in-between time and, and how many times Jesus stayed at the home of Mary and Martha. Um, but clearly, over time, Jesus has allowed this relationship to help grow Martha and her understanding of who he is. And I love even how in this, in this relational moment, Jesus helps challenge her to grow by asking her questions. He, he gives her an answer about his identity. He says, I know I wasn't here, but, but here's something you need to know about me. Here's my, my actual identity. And do you actually believe this? Um, and I love that, that you can tell from Martha's response that she, she knows his identity. She really believes that he is God. And in fact, her response to Jesus, she says uh, that I believe you're the Messiah, the son of God. This is very similar um, to the response that Peter gives to Jesus elsewhere in the Bible. Um, and Jesus commends Peter because he says, you know, this, this is not revealed uh, to you by man, but by, by God. And so I, I feel like this is a reminder, a parallel, that Martha also has this revelation from, from God. She knows who he is, and yet she's still growing. She, she believes that he could heal her, her brother, but she doesn't fully grasp the extent of God's power. And Jesus is using this relationship to help reveal that. Um, so I, I love this dialogue here. Um, so we'll jump back into the story, though. Verse 28 continues. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? 
Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there for four days. And again, this is totally Monica talking, right? Like she's the one who's <laughs> like, we don't, we don't need like a something smelly right now. Let's just keep the, let's just keep the uh, seal there on the tomb. Um, but in verse 40, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes. Oh my gosh, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That's such a powerful line, just to to come out and be free, um, to take off those grave clothes. And verse 45 ends, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Um, so I, I, first of all, this, this whole story, this whole segment, um, I, I really gives us a glimpse into the humanity of Jesus because we can read a lot of Jesus's commands and, um, this, you know, frankly, when Jesus talks to people, he's a button pusher. He, he challenged the culture of his time. He challenged the religious leaders of the time. And sometimes you read what Jesus says and it's kind of jarring and you, um, we get this sort of uh, two-dimensional picture of who he is. But this story just really brings that third dimension of who Jesus is, the humanity of, of um, his life. And, you know, the, the way he talks about Mary and Martha and how he loved them. And I think it's interesting that even though he, he showed up and he knew how the story was going to end, he knew Lazarus was going to rise from the dead. And yet he still wept. He still mourned with these sisters that he loved so much. Um, and I think this is just another picture of um, creating, making space for, for people in relationships by mourning with those who mourn, rejoicing with those who rejoice. And Jesus does that here. Um, he, he's there to comfort his, um, his friends. And yet Jesus also intentionally showed up late, right? And not just late, not just like a day after, after uh, Lazarus died, but he showed up several days late. Um, and I think Part of this was what he was talking to his disciples about earlier. He says, you know, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that God could be glorified through this. And, you know, if he had gotten there right on time, like the, the day that Lazarus died, I feel like this miracle wouldn't have been quite so miraculous because people could have said, well, you know, he wasn't actually dead. He, you know, they, they started to put him in the tomb and then he, he wasn't really dead. But at the point at which he's, he's um, pretty smelly and has been, you know, in the tomb for several days, um, that's when you know it's a miracle. Um, it's not like the Friends episode. Um, there's, there's one episode actually where the Friends have this ugly, less than clothed friend um, that we'll call him that. And he lives in a building kind of across from them. And at one point he falls asleep, but they aren't sure if he's, a, if he's sleeping or if he's not alive. So they, they create this, uh, this long poking device out of chopsticks and they tape it together. And then they, they like poke it through the window and they, they poke him. And sure enough, he swats the poking device away so they know he's alive. Um, but that is not this story, right? In this case, we know for a fact that Lazarus is dead, but God is allowing um, this 
this relationship with these with these friends to be the um, the catalyst for and the birthing ground for an incredible miracle. And just as that dialogue he had with Martha. Uh, shows a little way that he was trying to grow her faith um, through just talking with her. Um, through this, the death of Lazarus, Jesus was allowing Martha's faith and Mary's faith and his disciples' faith to grow exponentially because he wanted them to witness something um, about who he is that they didn't realize before, the, the incredible power that he, that he had as the son of God um, and so God allows that to happen in this space, this painful space that seems like it seemed like a horrible thing, but God used it for something really powerful and good. Um, and so I think this is another reminder for us to, to look at ways that we can bear each other's burdens, that we can uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, um, but also to recognize that so often God uses relationships and uses the community of the, of the believers and the church as a, the, the birthing ground for miracles that will affect the world. Because in this story, um, the, the miracle is not just for the disciples or for the friends, um, but the word about this miracle spreads far and wide and it becomes this amazing testimony to who God is. And I think people are watching us. People are watching us as the church right now and how we live with each other and how we love one another or how we don't love one another. And I think that God wants to remind us, listen, if you're loving in a radical self-sacrificing way, that is, that is um, contagious. That is um, something that people want to look in on and be part of. And when we're in relationship and community together, praying for each other, praying for, for healing and grace and strength, there, there is a power and, and miracles that happen within that relationship um, and within the community of believers. And I just want to encourage us to to be that body and to recognize um, that, that God is calling us to unity so that he can create those moments uh, within us and within the church. And I want to end then with this final story, a really short story. Um, John chapter 12, verse 1 through 8 says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his hair with her, or sorry, wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put inside it. Leave her alone, Jesus said. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Um, and I feel like this, this kind of story brings it all full circle. Um, in, initially, we see Martha making space for Jesus and for Mary to be with him. And again, Mary creating a space for dialogue and, and the being in the presence of Jesus. And in the second story, we see how Jesus helps to carry the burden of the sisters and, and grow their faith through these, um, the, the miracle that he does. But in this final story, we see that in, in some interesting way, Mary, I believe, helps to kind of uh, 
carry this burden with Jesus. And this, this story happens shortly before Jesus's death. And he knows he's going to die. And he is known for some time. And, and he's been telling his disciples this. And they have not really understood. And yet, he says that it was intended that Mary would anoint him. Um, and I really believe that God, you know, used Mary, gave her this revelation to, to anoint him, to prepare him for this day of burial. Um, and in, in that way to help him, uh, to help him in that, uh, calling that he had to walk out. Um, and I think part of what Mary shows us here is, uh, you know, the disciples, they didn't, they didn't necessarily pick up on this. And yet they were with Jesus day in, day in and day out in the um, everyday things of life. They, they were with him all the time. And Mary was perhaps more of like um, an occasional friend that he spent time with sometimes. Um, but she kind of shows me that sometimes we need in different seasons, different friends for different reasons. And sometimes we need those daily friends who are just in, you know, in the thick of life with us, helping to carry the, the daily burdens. Um, and sometimes we need what I call perspective friends. And I definitely have some people like this. Maybe you do too. They don't even always live nearby. So maybe I don't see them often, maybe, maybe even every other month sometimes. But when I do talk to them, they speak truth into my life. They speak life and they, um, they give perspective and they challenge me in a certain way. And I think it's just, um, this story is a reminder, um, just to recognize that in different seasons, um, God is going to allow different people to speak into our lives in different ways. And maybe during COVID, um, you've noticed this, that your relationships shift and maybe you've actually spent more time pouring into someone um, than you used to. I, you know, for me, I've been having a lot of long distance phone calls, like with my sister-in-law that I didn't used to have, but this, this season has opened up that, um, uh, that need and that I've, I've realized that I really enjoy having those phone calls with her, um, with other people. And so just, Asking God, in this season, um, how can I be carrying someone else's burden? What does it look like to um, to be a perspective friend for someone else or to get perspective from someone else um, when I'm kind of stuck in the same old routine and rut? Um, so as we wrap up today, um, I just want to leave us with this idea of, of making space. Where are we making space for others? Where are we making space for others to know God more? Um, and how are we um, allowing other people to create space for us as well and recognizing people's personalities as gifts and opportunities instead of um, seeing them as negative or being critical towards them? Um, how do we look at the relationships that we have with people right now, whether in person or online, and ask how, how are these relationships revealing more of Christ to the world? And uh, what does it look like to, to be the body of Christ, to love one another well, and um, just continue to follow God faithfully? So thank you guys so much for joining. And I can't wait for next week. Tom's going to be sharing about another friendship from the Bible that I know we're going to learn a lot from. So we'll pray and I will uh, catch you guys next week. God, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy for us. Thank you for... Um, just a reminder this Valentine's Day to, to love others well. And I pray that, um, that each person, that even, even as we, we go home and maybe we reread this passage or um, other, other sections of the Bible, God, that you would speak to us about 
about friendships, about relationships, and about how you want us to love each other more deeply, um, please draw us into those friendships um, that will challenge us and grow us. And I pray, God, over the church right now for unity, for love, and a contagious, um, a contagious and faithful love for others. And uh, we trust that you will bring us there, God. Amen.